0: you uh-huh.
1: What's up, guys? I got this news podcast. My name is Salman Ali at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. Four-man pod today. Four-man pod. We actually had no plan going into this, so we decided let's get four people together that wrote some great stories, and let's go ahead and talk about it. Uh, Forrest Walker at Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Hey, let's roll the ball out. Roll the ball out and see what happens. Exactly. Exa- that's that's how we roll here. We're, we're just that unprofessional, and we just want to get together and get this thing over with. Uh, also, Taylor Pate at Taylor L Pate on Twitter. How you doing, man? What's up,
2: guys? We're going to be KJ McDaniels' chaos and jumping today.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> also joined by Paul, aka at Rocket Intellect on Twitter. How you doing, man?
3: I'm doing pretty good. I, I have no jokes uh, to make at the moment like the other two guys.
1: Damn it. Um, I was actually counting on you, Paul, because I actually have no idea what to say now. <laughs> All right, uh, so the, the first big story of the week, obviously, is Demo and uh, what's going on with him. Uh, so, as a recap, basically what happened was Brooklyn offered Demo a contract, $36 million over four years. The Rockets went ahead and matched it, and what, what happened is, I mean, Demo just didn't show up to his physical. And it, it sounds like, <laughs> like, through no fault of his own, I feel like his agent's giving him bad advice.
0: What? BJ Armstrong giving someone bad advice? <laughs> I
1: mean, it, it, it we, ha- we now have, like, a pattern for this guy, like, uh of a solid three to four weeks of him giving not even longer than that. If you want to go to their starter restricted free agency of him saying odd things and just being, being really weird with the media. And I mean, Demo hasn't said anything to, you know, suggest that he has anything against the Rockets and he he didn't show up to his physical. And, um, what happened, what ended up happening is like, I guess he didn't show up because of the incentive structure of his contract because, what, what what goes on with restricted free agent is you have a primary clause that you're res- that you're required to match when you match a contract, and there's a secondary clause uh, that cl- includes all these ext- incentives like a body fat tracker, um, like some other weird things that basically you get more money for you know doing these things. And basically, Demo uh, he d- he lost these intent incentives when the Rockets went went ahead and matched, and so the Rockets had to renegotiate with B.J. Armstrong and Demo for a new contract uh, 30 I think 35 million million over 4 years and what, what this actually in my opinion it looks like a, a lot better of a deal for the rockets than that original contract because now the the, the last 3 years of that deal was non-guaranteed and the rockets can trade DeMo in 90 days theoretically although that's going that you know that 90 day trade deadline's going to go past the trade deadline so they probably they can trade him as soon as July um, in restricted free agency I mean in free agency so Guys, like, like first initial thoughts out of this whole situation.
0: Okay, okay, I got some thoughts. So, as we know, he's still not with the team yet, even though D'Antoni thought he would be. And reports are that uh, the team is gathering, this came from, from Woj, that the team is gathering more data about his medical uh, his medical condition, which, you know, it continues to be a concern after Detroit failed his physical during that aborted trade last season. I kind of wonder if... He tried to cash out as much as possible on this season because his back is still really a really big concern, and that's why they were willing to take this honestly much worse deal just so that they could get a few million more dollars this season for things like working out enough times which I'm really glad is on in that contract.
1: It's so weird. Like it, it's so weird like th- like he just shows up to work and and checks his body fat and he gets a few million dollars out of it. Like it's it's crazy, right? Like the kind of incentives that were in his contract. I mean, like it's really bizarre because like as you said, like he failed his physical and now I mean, I'm I'm not even sure if he's ever going to join the team. I mean, he's they're gathering more info, and I don't really know what that means. It's so vague that, I mean, I'm guessing that uh, BJ Armstrong, his agent, kind of released the same statement to everybody, uh, to Waj and to Calvin Watkins and Jonathan Vagan. Like, I just have no idea what's going on here. And, I mean, like, you you guys think is ever going to join this team? I should. start to wonder if it's going
2: to be almost a... Toxic situation at that point. Um, I know, you know, they've said that there's no bad bad blood between he and the players, but at, at this point, it's like it's been dragged out so far that you know it, it almost seems like um, like demo and his camp are rebelling a little bit or something.
0: My worry is that it that his back actually is pretty bad, and that the Rockets are getting cold feet because of that. And if his back is really bad there's not really anything anyone can do about it except for, I guess a doctor. (laughs) So (laughs) that's kind of the worst case scenario. uh, And hopefully it's not that because it's bad for everybody.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know what to say here. I mean, because again, I'm not a doctor, and I I've, I don't know the extent to, to which Demo's back is hurt. But I mean, this is two doctors which he's failed a physical with. I mean, if you guys remember uh, last year where um, Demo was traded to the Pistons, and and apparently he failed that physical, and uh, he had to. I remember if you guys remember that that trade was vetoed, and uh, Demo returned back to the Rockets, and now this is the second physical. I, I think you're onto something for us, because I again like. These are... This is two physicals in the span of one year uh, that Demo has failed. And he did demand more guaranteed money in that first year. But again, like, even if he did that, I mean, the, the, my biggest thing... Why the hell would they sign this contract? I don't understand. Like, did they even read it? Because the second year is n- is now non-guaranteed. And so, like, he's in summation he's going to get less guaranteed dollars and less of a financial security with this contract that he did with his previous contract like and the team can trade him at will now without his consent they can trade because because if they match that contract they had consent with demo but now that the rockets went ahead and negotiated with demo directly they can go ahead and trade him whenever they want and now so if the rockets they, they get a big fish in free agency they can cut bait with them at any time
0: if he even gets the contract in the first place, he has to get he has to actually yeah. get through his physicals first. This yeah. is a, an ugly situation, and it's I don't know. I hope that it clears up because agents being stupid is one thing, but someone's back being hurt is something else entirely.
1: Poor Bobby Brown. Oh yeah, I mean Bobby Brown didn't die for this man. He he didn't <laughs> die for this. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, but my biggest thing is like the team is definitely better with demo on it. I mean, can we all agree? Like that's probably true.
2: Yeah, if mean, he's taking the minutes, and there's certainly you know, I'm all all aboard for that.
0: <laughs> Can we talk about the Nays rep for a second? This poor dude. I mean, I it's true that he hasn't been the best defender and he's you know, he looks like a guy with gray hair out there. Uh but man, he certainly they very quickly become uh like the whipping boy of the Rockets
1: <laughs> fandom. <laughs> I mean, I had I had fans tell me in the beginning of the year, like, is he the Corey Brewer of this year? Because I mean, it feels like, like he he feels like what Andy V is to Warriors fan. Anderson Verja, if you guys don't know who Andy V is, uh, what what Anderson Verja was to Warriors fans, he, that's exactly what Nene is to. Rockets fans, he drives fans nuts when he checks into the game, in the middle of the game, for no apparent reason Like if, if Montrezl <laughs> Harrell or Clint Capella are performing better than him, he'll check in out of nowhere I, I never know when Nene is going to check in and and then he'll close random games now, because he, he closed a couple games in this past week with, uh, with Nene, and it, I don't know. It's this irritating thing with Mike D'Antoni. I don't know what it is with him. Like, I, I guess it's the veteran presence, quote unquote, that uh, MDA trusts with with uh, Nene. I don't know. And honestly, like, I, I'm all for it. Like, you guys know me. I'll slander anybody who's playing bad for the Rockets. <laughs> like, like he's been terrible. <laughs> we
2: were Absolutely warned. Used why he was he was in on the last possession against the Thunder <laughs> for defensive purposes. I, I just did not understand that at all.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean. And and my thing is like he, he has this pretty decent defensive reputation. I mean, he was a big part of why Washington was good for so many years and um, on defense. And now he comes. <laughs> so to- many
0: years, he says. I mean, <laughs> it was
1: like two tops. I mean, they were like a top five defense for so long, uh, and I don't know what it is. They they just suddenly lost it, and and it just it's just weird. I, I don't know what, what it is with Nene. Uh, I, I think there's probably a reason he signed for the veterans minimum now that you look at it now that it's probably not as much of a bargain as we thought in the beginning of the year because of how poor he's played uh but yeah let, let's go let's forget about Nene. I do i don't don't know why we're talking about Nene. uh but i I, I think that's probably probably a good thing because now we filled some airtime uh so you guys all wrote stories this week so we're here to talk about it and I'm probably gonna title this podcast story time with red nation hoops um uh, so The first story of the week, I think, was Forrest. You wrote uh, a great story on, like, the title is They Are Who We Thought They Were, and it's basically on the Rockets these past few years, right? And it it discusses how expectations drastically changed how we thought of this team and how it's contributing to how well they're doing right now. I mean, if you look at 538, I think they had them projected at, like, 44 wins, if if I'm not mistaken.
0: yeah if you look at 538 right now also you're gonna get a sugar rush uh <laughs> i've been keeping an eye on those things and it's it's getting it's getting to be a lot <laughs> i'm starting yeah. to be like this can't be real I'm, I'm gonna get too full of myself uh yeah no i i think they think that they are like not just who we thought they were but they're who you hoped they were yeah i think everyone going this season hoped for the best and this is honestly better than what we reasonably hoped for which is great uh you know and even if it doesn't last, which I think we've talked about that, there's no, there's no telling how long this is going to last, right? Uh, there, there's always a possibility of an injury or regression or something. We can hope that this is who they actually are, but as far as we can tell, this is a really good team, Uh, They have great chemistry, and they're not burdened by expectations. Everyone expected the worst from them, and now they're bucking that. They get to be underdogs again. They love being underdogs, and we love them being underdogs. And we're going to see how long they can stay underdogs while they just keep winning every goddamn game.
1: (laughs) And uh, I I think there's something to that, the sustainability of all this, because, um, and I battle with this so much, because they're 23 games into the season, and to me that's a really solid sample size of what a team's going to be. And they're on pace to win 56 games, and I'm like, there's no way, right? There's no way they're going to win 56 games, right? Like, like they're going to lose some games here, right? Like, am I crazy for thinking there's going to be some sort of regression? Like, because they've been so damn good against the top teams in the NBA, and they've lost to only playoff teams. They haven't had one, like, really bad loss yet. I mean, the only loss I can think of off the top of my head is that first Lakers loss. And other than that, they've lost to all playoff teams, and they've lost um in close fashion i think I, I would say like they've they fought to the end of many of those games not to say all of them were close but i mean it's just the different identity and a different feel in the air and you can tell by like just how the players like like they interact with each other and it's i don't know it's it's really refreshing and i'm i'm just like please god just don't put some expectations on this team like just <laughs> let, let let them be the fun team that over over-achie- not overachieves but uh overperforms what we thought they were going to be this year
0: yeah they're pissed off and it's great to watch
1: <laughs> i mean and uh and I, I think expectations actually did them really well this year actually because i think if if we expected this team to be a um let's just say a, a three or four seed which they're on pace to do uh then I think it would have been really, really different, right? We'd be talking about this team totally differently. Like we wouldn't call this as much of a success as it is now. I think a lot of the, a lot of expectations had to do with how much of a disappointment last season was, right? Because we expected them to be a perennial championship contender going into last season, and you talked about that in your column, and that re- that pretty much laid the basis for possibly the big the mo- the most disappointing season in Rockets history. And I think it's, it's, in this case, it's leading to one of the more optimistic seasons in Rockets history. Would you guys agree? Yo, everybody get up! Everybody get up! Napa guy knows the only way you'd give a freshly minted driver a brand new car
0: is if he promises to never drive it. Instead, let him grind the gears and knock over the neighbor's mailbox in something a little more suited to his skill level. And with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, he can safely drive something that's nearly as
3: old as he is. It's not perfect, but it's perfect for him. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, the team seems to be playing as a, as one unit. Um, you know, last year you did not see that at all. Um, basically on a nightly basis, it was, you know, can James Harden win the game for everybody? Um, and how bad does Dwight Howard look and how many post touches did he want? And, um, what, were the, what was the TNT halftime crew going to say? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And now it's like you kind of look forward to the halftime show because they're giving the Rockets a lot of praise and it's just a, a total culture shift from last year.
1: Well, you look forward to the TNT halftime sure. show. I, I still put that crap on mute, um, but uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I just agree. Just going take a shower. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Don't bother with that stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, last year was absolutely hell. Like, right, like, like we we didn't even like pay attention to the media last year. I, I think a lot of Rockets fans stopped paying attention, and actually, that it's a fa- it's resulting in their attendance figures being so low to start the season. The Rockets are thirtieth in attendance last time I checked. And so <laughs> I, I think a lot of that is because of just basically expectations, right? Like, if this team was going to be as good as we thought they were going to be, I mean, I mean, if, if they were going to be a perennial playoff team, and if everybody thought that, I mean, they'd be getting, like, not as much praise as they are now, right? And they'd be getting mid-attendance figures and, rec- and all that stuff would normalize. But I think the stigma with this team, I think, benefited them in some ways that it... it, it it's hurting them in attendance figures, if that makes sense. And so uh, I want to talk about actually Paul's story because that got a lot of that got a lot of run today. Um, the emergence of Patrick Beverly, uh, Patrick Beverly's just been so damn good. And you outlined that in your in your column, Paul. Like he's having possibly the best season of his career on both ends of the floor. I've never seen Patrick Beverly play like this. Um, he's back to where he was defensively two or three years ago, where he was. A perennial All-Defensive Player of the Year. Not All-Defensive Player of the Year. All-NBA Defense guy. And he was um, praised throughout the league for his stingy defense. And I think now his his play is starting to live up to his reputation right now. And his offensive game, uh, as you talked about, Paul, uh, has grown tremendously. His passing is like night and day compared to where he was like I, I'm so surprised at his growth um like he's making passes I've never seen him make before and he's uh becoming more of a an anchor for that second unit would you guys agree especially, especially you Paul I want to hear what you guys say about this
3: yeah yeah he's done a lot better uh he's gotten a lot better at running the offense and that was something that developed uh like during the second half of last year uh and that's probably the most charming development of the NBA season for me, because Patrick Beverly being like an above average passer was so far out of my imagination, like three years ago <laughs> that I probably would have laughed at you or probably, uh, like would have lost all respect for anyone that suggested <laughs> that Patrick Beverly would have developed into an above average passer. So, uh, That plus his ability uh, to defend, which he has gotten back to this year, has really made him like just an awesome contributor to the team. And him being probably the player that I'm most attached to uh, is just really cool to see. It's cool seeing the people that you enjoy uh, and the people that you have seen on your team, on your favorite team for so long, do so well, like Patrick Beverley.
2: Yeah, I think his um, his effect on the team in general um, along with James Harden has helped because if you look, um, you know, Harden's numbers are kind of down uh, in December, um, which is, you know, six games. It's about, you know, half of the games that Patrick Beverly has been back. Um, his numbers are down from what they have been and, you know, his usage is the lowest that it's been. Um, you know, he's, instead of what he's, Averaging on the season, he's a little bit below that. He's at 25. Um, his rebounds are up, but his assists are down. And part of that is because he hasn't had to do as much. The Rockets haven't needed James Harden as much because Patrick Reveille coming in and running the offense and um, and playing defense. And, and it's showing because the team overall looks better.
1: And that's contributed to how good this bench unit's been for the Rockets. Because like, that's something I really wanted to talk about on this podcast because... The Rockets are, like, really, really deep. Like, 1 through 10 deep. And that starts with, like, getting Patrick Beverly in the lineup and getting Tyler Ennis the hell out, like, on that bench, right? (laughs) Because... (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to even think about that now, right?
0: Like, in the first couple weeks of the season, we were like, oh, this bench is so bad. How are they going to survive the bench?
1: And, like... If you look at them now, like, the biggest thing we're complaining about is Nene. And Nene is, like, it, realistically, without joking, joking aside, like, he's not a terrible rotation player. And he, if he's your worst guy, the Rockets are in a pretty good p- in place right now. Because 1 through 10, like, I, and you're, you're seeing, like, bounce backs years from Corey Brewer, uh, which I'm pretty happy about because that raises his trade value. Uh, but, <laughs> and, you're, <laughs> and you're seeing, uh, like, Emergences from some of the young guys like like Sam Decker and and uh, Montrez Harrell uh, who uh, Trent Arnold uh, writer for us wrote a column on th- on this this week. You guys should go check that out. Like you're seeing emergences from these guys, and I think that's contributing to probably one of the best benches in the in the NBA. I saw a stat by Trent actually that the Rockets are actually like fourth in net rating among benches in the NBA, and that if they can maintain that, I mean, can we start having a conversation about like are the Rockets better than, like, just a really scrappy playoff team? They're, yeah, and I mean, I've always said, you know, can the Rockets be a top-five offense and a top-half defense? And
2: we're creeping towards those numbers right now. You know, I think the Rockets right now are, like, 16th or 18th in, in defense, and, and they're a top-five offense. And they look to be, you know, maybe, like, a top-eight team in the league.
0: Yeah, uh, I think we're already there with that discussion. Like like you said, they're getting to that sort of average def- defense like they need to have, and uh, all any advanced metric, including win totals, I guess, uh, shows them to be a top-six team, and they're creeping into that top-five area. I mean, whether this is sustainable and or whether it will take place in the playoffs as well is a different question, but I don't think they're a scrappy playoff team. I think they're clearly a 1st uh, a home court in the first-round team right now, so That's extremely good to see, unless some things happen, you know, knock on wood, they're going to keep playing really well, and eventually people have to unfortunately accept that this is a pretty dang good team.
3: If you're getting excited about, like, how many wins this team, how many, like, uh, how well this team is doing relative to the rest of the league right now, your people are going to freak out after this next (laughs) week or next two weeks or so, because this schedule is... Just so easy and so like predict There are so many wins. I look at my <laughs> schedule and there, it's just. I look at the schedule and even just this month in general, and even next month, it's they're going to be on like a 63, 62 win pace by <laughs> like the end of February. Their or schedule, January or something like that, and. It gets really tough in March, but Exactly yeah. be a fun so, ride while it it's gonna right. be a fun ride while it's happening.
0: Yeah, I mean everything's gonna be smooth sailing until mid January. Let's say January twentieth, somewhere around there, things are gonna get real bad.
1: Yeah, and I think the Rockets actually deserve the schedule, man, because they started off the year with like h- how many road games? Fifteen out of twenty, or something like that. Something 14 out of twenty, yeah, yeah, fourteen. out Yeah, and that was the second hardest schedule in the NBA. I think only the Dallas Mavericks, I mean, poor the poor Mavericks fans right now, uh, but <laughs> only the Dallas Mavericks had a higher, had a you know more tough schedule, and they actually succeeded. Very well in that in that tough environment, and they they're they're coming out and they're getting these these freebie games. and I think it's telling of the culture of this team that they're actually winning these games. Because I mean, if you remember last year, uh, and this is something I talked about on Twitter, like they were throwing away these games last year, like to the Sixers, to the Wizards, who were uh, not that great last year, uh, to the Mavericks, and like they were throwing away these games that they shouldn't they shouldn't really be throwing away. And this year, they're not only winning these these games, they're blowing them out, right? Like the only team that um that's really put put up a, a close fight that's like a middle of the pack playoff team is probably like the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? Every other team they've blown out that they're supposed to beat, and that's a great sign for this team. I mean, in my opinion, would you guys agree?
0: Hey, you got to do what you're supposed to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think uh, that
2: them having an easier schedule now will help them set up for their tougher schedule. Um, I think they'll, it'll, you know, they'll have more, um, confidence as a unit and, um, you know, they'll, they'll be a little bit more prepared, I guess, because they'll be feeling good. They'll, they'll they'll be, you know, the offense will be flowing, especially in these bad, the, the games against bad teams and the Rockets are going to look like a, you know, a a really great team. And so that's going to help them, you know, um, yeah, then I, I guess, help the narrative against those really good teams that we face um, after the All-Star break.
3: Yeah, they've been really crushing the teams that they're supposed to be, which is something that you didn't really see even in 2015 when they made the Western Conference Finals. That team was always just sort of uh, just a team that uh, let the bad teams hang around but ended up beating them in the end.
1: This th- team they, th- that it. team, okay. If I can interrupt, interrupt you for a second, that team is what the Grizzlies are this year, right? Like, <laughs> like the, an absolute clutch team, right? That beat, that wins games in low margins, and they really shouldn't be winning these games.
0: Yeah, I think it's really accurate that uh, this year's team has an actual system and an identity that they're they're making other teams play. Uh, so when they do get in their groove and they get another team to play their game, they just crush them uh whereas like i said a couple years ago they didn't really have that identity and i think they ended up playing other people's games and they were tough and like gritty enough to pull it out to to make their way through anyway but now they have their identity to fall back on and so they're actually a lot scarier regular season team uh will they succeed in the postseason we're gonna find out but that's actually gonna be fun this time
1: so the rockets defense has been surging these these past uh this past week um can this t- can this team get to like 15th in defensive rating? Because uh like this is something that me that me and Paul talk about a lot on Twitter. Like can they like going into this year we thought they were going to be like our like 20th, maybe 15th at highest ranked defense, right? Can they actually get to where they're middle of the pack? And if they get there, how good can this team be as like a ceiling?
0: When like will the- I don't know if they can be that high at the end of the season, but I think, like, look at their schedule coming up. Their defense is going to keep surging. If not only just because their defense is doing better lately, but that they're playing a bunch of real suck bats, so they're going to see that defense pull up surprisingly high for a while, and it'll kind of quietly fall off, I think.
2: James Harden's defensive rating is 98 for the past six
1: games. (laughs) Uh, Go ahead, Paul. What were you going to say?
3: Yeah, uh, I think... uh... This team, uh, if they can get to like 15th in defensive rating, that's definitely a four seed, maybe even three seed or two seed.
1: Maybe, maybe. Get risky. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. L- let's go all in on this podcast. The Rockets are winning the championship in 2617. <laughs> uh, You heard it here first and that's that's just the bottom line. The Rockets are winning it all. And you know, uh, this is all if if they don't win it, you can blame Paul cuz that's that's what he said. He said they're getting the 2 seed. Uh, but yeah, uh I think I think what you said earlier Paul, like the, the idea of them getting to a 60 win team. Like that's something we did that wasn't even in our sphere of thought right like we thought they were going to be a 45 to 51 team and and at best like a 52 win team and the fact they're on pace to a, as a to a 56 win team it still like blows my mind like i i still like this still feels so like maybe i'm like being a little bit you know maybe i'm playing devil's advocate in my head but i mean it feels a little unsustainable and in in a way that i really don't care like, it, like I, I don't care if it's unsustainable. <laughs> I want to ride this high, this ride as high as I can. Because after last year, man, I think Rockets fans deserve this, man. Like, I mean, if you if you look at the spirits of uh, the fan base last year as compared to this year, I mean, uh, we're, we're making arrogant jokes this year, which is really fun. Like, I'm not used to that. <laughs> uh, like, last year, uh, we just wanted the season to end. And now, like, after, like, I think every fan is looking forward to every game, like, and has an expectation of possibly winning it, right? Like, the the fact that the Rockets won that Warriors game, like, opened the door to, like, a whole different discussion, <laughs> right? Like, it opened a the floodgates. A level of arrogance. Yeah, <laughs> arrogance, right? It o- it opened the floodgates. Like, and now people are starting to pay attention to this team, locally and nationally. Uh, and Houston's starting to become like a basketball town, man. Like, and uh, and that's something, you know, that's something I didn't think I'd see in 2016. Uh, so, uh, also Taylor, you wrote a pretty good column on redemption, and basically, like guys like Eric Gordon, uh, Ryan Anderson, Mike D'Antoni, uh, or James Harden. You know, they've they've all been labeled with these stigmas, and now I think I think you were having a discussion with me about possibly renaming renaming this column the Alley of Mixed Misfit Toys, and I think that's probably right. Like, it's probably a fitting right because this team is filled with guys who around the league weren't that wanted right like Ryan Anderson his trade value was depreciating every single day and uh like guys whose reputation basically took a hit these past few years like Mike D'Antoni who played on who coached two pretty bad organizations uh I mean his reputation was like down to the floor and now he's he's gaining it back. And, and same with our uh, Eric Gordon. You know, the question for, with Eric Gordon wasn't his talent. It was always, can he stay healthy? And seeing him sustain his health at a 23-game pace right now, I mean... If you don't sit in your lucky seat, your team could lose. So don't leave your lucky seat. But do pick up your phone or computer and order B-dubs to go. Or if you've got a big group, call in for the party menu. That way you can order wings, pick them up, and get back to your lucky seat. And if you do lose while sitting in your lucky seat, you can still feel lucky eating your feelings, spicy feelings. Keep your superstitions. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings.
0: Wings, beer, sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void were prohibited.
1: He's a damn good player. And at $13 million a year, that's an absolute steal. Uh, Taylor, you want to expand on that? Yeah,
2: I mean, um, it's like I said in, in the column, you know, if you do a, a Twitter search for Eric Gordon injury prone, you know, it's kind of sad. Um, there's, There are so many tweets that are, you know, giving him props for being a good player. But, you know, it's, it, it's like that they have to mention the injuries. And um, it's unfortunate because, you know, a lot of those games that he missed were... Um, you know, him getting hurt again when he came back from, from the injury, maybe not staying out long enough, or then there's the freak injury stuff like his finger. Um, and you know, the guy, he, he's, he's been unfortunate. Um, I guess you could say. And I think there's a quote that says, um, I'm not injury prone, I'm prone to injuries or something like that. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it's, it's been a really nice story for him to come here and, uh, be close to the, uh, the, front runner for a six man of the year. Um, Lou Williams is also putting up some pretty good numbers, but um, you know, I think that the way that Eric Gordon um, inflates this team is it's something that's so valuable because he comes in and he's like a mini Harden, you know, he, he doesn't have the, the gaudy numbers that, that Harden has, you know, as far as assists and stuff like that. But um, you know, he comes in and he's a knockdown shooter. Um, he can, he can drive and dish. Um, he's a really good passer. And, and you know, Another thing with Mike D'Antoni is he's made this entire team a good uh, a good passing team. Um, the Bigs can pass. Uh, Patrick Beverly, you know, looks like a, a real point guard. Um, you know, just everybody seems to know where everybody's at, and it seems to be the um, just the general the general feel of this team is that they they understand the offense and that they're getting a lot more comfortable, um, which is you know complete complete 360 from, from where we were. Um, and, you know, I also talked about um, the tragedy that Ryan Anderson went through um, with his girlfriend. Um, and, you know, then immediately after that, having uh, a terrifying neck injury where he stretched off, stretcher off the court, and people are questioning his career, whether he's going to be able to come back. And, and um, even though he's he's kind of struggled as of late, he's still. I mean, you would you wouldn't really say that somebody that's shooting forty percent from three is struggling. But hey, look at Steph Curry. Um, but you know he, he's um, kind of finding his fit still. Um, he still takes the the contested step back two every now and then. But uh, for the most part, you know he's he's invaluable to this team because he's just he he can flat out stretch the court further than you know. Old, most power forwards that I've ever seen. Um, and then I also went on to talk about James Harden's leadership and how that was in question last year. Um, and you know, he kind of became, um, the, the media joke, you know, he didn't make the uh, all NBA teams. Um, he, you know, squeaked into the playoffs and, and, you know, just so many jokes regarding he and Dwight Howard and, um, it just, he, he kind of became a stock, and he came back this year and he, you know, he heard all of those, all of those comments and he is, you know, you see him on the court, on the court coaching all the time. He's telling guys where to go and what to do. And um, even on plays where, you know, they get a, they get a, an alley-oop dunk. Um, he's still correcting people and telling them, Hey, do this next time. And he looks like a completely different player and a leader. Um, and that's what people questioned. And he is answering the bill.
1: And I th- I think the story that touched me the most was like Ryan Anderson, right? Because like that story about his girlfriend. Like if you guys haven't read the the, the Sports Illustrated piece on uh, I think it was by Chris Ballard um, on Ryan Anderson, I mean it was just it was like it had me all in the feels, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible, right? Like uh, the amount of tragedy Ryan Ryan Anderson had to go through uh, and to come to where he is now to be on a a real contributor because like. He's actually a positive to the Rockets when he's on the floor, uh, to this Rockets team, to a perennial playoff team. I mean, this is probably the best team he's been on since Orlando, right? I mean, and it's it's incredible because like, like you feel good for these guys. You feel good for these guys. Like you feel good for a guy like like Air Gordon, who just didn't, who just couldn't see the floor, and it's not through any fault of his own, but. That's just the nature of injuries in the NBA. And you my know- favorite stat
2: of Eric Gordon was he's played thirty minutes per game in every season that he's played. You know, even even the, the seasons that he played nine games or whatever, um, he's still able to play those minutes. It's just you know um, when he is, you know, when he does have those crazy injuries, uh, obviously his season gets cut short.
1: And Eric Gordon's defense, man. I, 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 I want to talk about that for a quick second because Eric Gordon has been playing out of his mind on the defensive end of the floor to the point to where Mike D'Antoni's praising how good his defense is in press conferences, unprompted, by the way. And like he's playing like pro- he's probably one of the two best wing defenders on the team. Like is that out of line to say? Uh, I mean, this guy—he he was
2: the centerpiece of a Chris Paul trade. I mean, that's that alone. Like he—he he was the the big get in the Chris Paul trade. So he was—I mean, he—he he was regarded as a top five shooting guard, you know, before the big stretch of injuries. Yeah,
1: he—he—he he, yeah. he is what Bradley Beal is right now, right? Like a guy who is really damn good, but just can't see the floor. And when he's on the floor, as you said. He was the centerpiece of the Chris Paul trade, and that's something everybody forgets. Like Chris Paul just magically went to the Clippers, you know, for no reason. He was just given away, right? And the reason was Eric Gordon was on track to being one possibly what James Harden is right now, and injuries just derailed him, right? And up until that point, he was on an upwards trajectory, uh, to the point where he was going to be possibly the franchise player for New Orleans up until they drafted Anthony Davis. And it's, uh, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool to see what's going on.
3: Yeah, uh, just to put how good Eric Gordon's shooting has been, uh, to put that into perspective, uh, Eric Gordon is currently on pace to average, uh, not average, to have the second most threes made in a single season uh, ever. And <laughs> that is in front of many Stephen Curry seasons. Uh, oh, wow. Per 36 numbers in 2017... Uh, Eric Gordon, three pointers made per thirty six mi- minutes, four point one on forty three percent, forty three percent shooting. <laughs> Stephen Curry, three pointers made per thirty six, four point one on thirty nine percent three point shooting. Wow. So basically, Eric Gordon has been a better shooter than Stephen Curry this season. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty he- insane.
0: He sure does go for it, though. Man, yeah. uh, he's he's definitely turned me around, and a few other folks I watch games with, with, like, oh, Aaron Gordon, I don't know about him, and I'm like, no, you just need to watch a few games, and this man has no conscience in an extremely good way.
3: They, they signed him for the same amount of money per year that, like, the Pelicans signed Solomon Hill, and <laughs> for those fans who don't know, for those Rockets fans who don't know who Solomon Hill is, that's kind of the point. Uh, you don't need to know who he is. Just know that they signed him for the same amount of money that uh, the Rockets signed Eric Gordon. That deal is a steal if he stays healthy.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure he's happy to be out of the uh, out of the Pelicans' training and uh, and medical room because man, that training staff there is—I mean, it's the same staff as the Saints. It's not—it's not going well. It's not going well. Sometimes it really matters where you are as to how healthy you can stay, and this is just a much better situation. The yeah, Rockets yeah. are an actual quality team. And also, they're kind of blowing people out, so you can keep minutes down and load down a little bit. So, uh, good things snowball, and hopefully, we're going to keep seeing that.
1: And like when, when I when I think of the Pelicans' training staff, I think of some grumpy old man telling Eric Gordon to walk it off. Like that, that's how bad the the training staff has been these past few years. Like because if you look at how bad their injury history is, I mean, it's it's incredible, right? Like. You have a good. You made a good point about how they share, uh, they share training stats with the Saints, and I think it's really affected Eric Gordon's career, unfortunately, in a negative way. But man, it's like it's incredible, like to see the the stats you were pointing out, Paul, about how he's shooting like he's on pace to have the second most three pointers of all time, right, like in a season. And that's when when I when I hear that stat, it's incredible for somebody who just got paid like thirteen million per for four years. I mean. That deal was absolutely, if if not the steal of the off season, probably one of the top three, and I, I don't even think it's that close.
3: Yeah, uh, hard to argue with there. Now the Rhino contract, that's not going to look great <laughs> in the future, but the Rockets can trade him to the Kings. In the off season. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: do think that it's less onerous than people act like it is. I know people, uh, you know, were saying it was a really horrible trade, and it. I mean, I think we've learned that no trade is unmovable, or no salary is unmovable in this league at this point. So well, they might sure have to Corey give Brewer. up on... Uh, <laughs> and have they even tried to trade Corey Brewer? He, is, he isn't hurting this season, and plus I'm sure he's lovely to be around.
1: Oh, uh, I'm like 99% sure, sure. Daryl Morey's made a call about Corey Brewer at some point in the past two years. There's no way uh, he hasn't made that phone call yet. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh yeah you, you got you you guys you guys are right like any con most contracts in any situation can be tradable uh given the right team and the right situation right uh if you package a pick with Rhino you you could possibly move him in year three and get that salary off your books right there's there's no there's no um complete situation where a player is probably going to be locked in unless you're like Joe Johnson being paid like twenty five million per dollar twenty twenty five million dollars a year in Brooklyn like there's Few contracts that can be absolutely never be traded, and I think um, the same applies to Rhino. And and I think Taylor made a good point on the last podcast and on this podcast. Like, why do you want to trade Rhino? Right? Like Rhino has been good, and for right now, you're benefiting from the fruits of his labor. I, I think you probably you probably look to move him not at this point in, in his contract, like later, right?
3: Yeah, that's why yeah. I said the. Uh, I think I said the off season.
1: Yeah. 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 The back end of that I'm,
0: contract. I'm, yeah, it's it me bad. But for now
3: we're doing yep, good. For now. Let's only look at now.
1: Yeah. And I think we actually did a pretty good job for a podcast that had absolutely no direction. And I'm not joking with you guys if I said we had no direction. I have nothing written down on my piece of paper over here. And uh we literally just turned the mic on and started recording. But yeah, it ended up good. We rolled the ball out and we you know, we beat we beat this podcast like we beat the Warriors. <laughs> and <laughs>
0: This is a Dan Tony podcast. it's
1: the Dan Tony Podcast. Against all odds. Against all odds. we we managed to put up a successful podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and and SoundCloud for just this month. Uh, we're gonna be moving off of SoundCloud this month. And uh, we are now on Stitcher. So if you're if you're a user of the the app Stitcher, you can now find our podcast on Stitcher. And yeah guys, good night.